Hey there, everybody. This is Bob and Burns on the Barnside Chats. I'm Burns. And I'm Bob. And we're going to be just talking about pretty much whatever we want to talk about, uh, mainly because mainly since we're both in ag trades and uh, in professions, I guess, because we're still young, but we are working our ways into our brand new futures. What do you say, Bob? I say that's just about what we're going to be talking about. So what generation are you going on now? Generation? Uh, basically, I'm a uh, second generation here in uh, the western part of this world in the United States, uh, out in California. Don't criticize me for that. But yeah, I'm a second generation here on my dad's side, and I'm a uh, third generation from my mom's side. Uh, both ag-related backgrounds. Um, I guess you can call it from the homeland to here. But uh, yeah, I'm. My family's still fairly new here, uh, in the United States. You could say. What about yourself? Well, my family we're fifth generation from Italy, and we've been farming wine grapes here in the town of Fulton, and still going five generations strong. Like to keep it moving on. Keep on keeping on, as they say. As they say. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, my uh, my mom's side basically had is a beef and dairy related uh, background. Um, so they've been doing that out in the Tamales Bay there for about since, I want to say, after the war. Um and even before the war, because my grandfather, he had to help run the dairy since uh, his father passed away. So uh, he kind of had to, he kind of took charge of it and took care of it for his grandmother to his parents. And then he had it and then he kind of faded off from it once, you know, times got different, I suppose. And then he worked for Caltrans for a while and and that that's what he did pretty much the rest of his life on that side of the family. Um, my dad's side, you know, again, after the war, settled here. Um, and pretty much worked for uh, a lot of other German, uh, German settlers here in this area. Um, and doing a lot of the chicken farms, uh, feeding chickens and raising chickens. And that's where that side comes from. And my dad and my dad grew up, you know, finding a niche in the sheep. And that's that was his profession and for a while. And so his profession was mainly sheep and he's been a sheep shearer ever since he was the age of 18. So he's going 40 plus years strong. And, and I'm trying to follow in those footsteps pretty much. And you're going soon to a sheep shearing class up in Oregon, correct? Yeah, next week. If everything still goes as planned with the current yeah, global pandemic. That's correct. We will we will be six feet apart, so the email says. <laughs> well, as long as you're six feet apart, that's good enough, right? That and I guess I don't know about the mask deal, but but uh, yeah, supposedly. 
So speaking about news in agriculture and this global pandemic, is there anything uh, new on the news that you want to talk about? What about them killer hornet deals? Uh, killer hornets? The murder hornets, as the media puts it as? Oh, murder? Oh, well, whatever. You know how much I know about them now. <laughs> well, it's not, uh, not so about people. It's about the, the bees, about them killing bees. Yeah, that's... That's probably why... Did they say they came from China? No, no, they're from Japan. They're from Japan? Yeah. Oh. Anyways, I was I was just kind of thinking there, and I was like, well, wasn't it you that told me that China has no bees whatsoever, so they have to hand-pollinate all their plants and whatnot? Just certain regions in China. Oh, certain regions. Oh. No, not all of China, no. But there's regions oh. where they have gone, they have a large bee deficit, so they're having to pollinate trees via basically pollen and a paintbrush almost in that nature. Got it. Okay. The biggest problem with the bees getting into America is is that our bees, we have European honeybees, they haven't adjusted to having a predator such as this, where the Asian honeybees have. They have defenses in protecting against these said hornets. If you knew about them. Now, Did they uh, have a, a study that these bees, our bees are starting to fight back? Uh, they're doing this adaptation deal where, you know, they are uh, fighting back somehow. Uh, don't know exactly what's going on there or how, but supposedly they're fighting back. Well, what I would imagine would be how the Asian honeybees have adapted is that when one of these said hornets get into mm -hmm. their hive or their, yeah, into their hive, they surround the hornet and they all gather around the hornet and they beat their wings and it raises the core of the, the hornet's body. That's what I heard. Eventually that's what I heard. The hornet. So that's how, that's, that's how they adapted. So if our bees, our European honeybees have adapted, that's yeah. their only defense, really, against them. So we're on the same top, or same, I don't know, same level, then, on knowing what, what's going on. Yeah, same same way. Yeah. But really, I mean, the threat to people is not so much. I mean, unless you have allergic, unless you're allergic to bees, then, you know, the dosage is several times higher than a normal honeybee, because the size difference, I mean, it's a two-inch bee. But, I mean, they won't really strike unless provoked, and you can basically hear them before you see them, too. That's another thing with them. It's because of all that wingspan, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just the basic side. They say it sounds like a Apache helicopter when it flies. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. I, I know that when I was at the winery the other day that uh, uh, I, see, I kept seeing things flying around, and I was like, oh, geez, they're here already, you know. I was kind of, I wasn't really freaking out. I was just keeping an eye, an extra eye out for them. So it was just kind of not really freaky, just kind of being more aware, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like we talked about earlier, you know, they only found one in Washington and it was dead, so. It can't can't repopulate, so. As long as there's not more, then maybe they just found that one. Hopefully, they only found just that one. Mm -hmm. 
So what else has been going on during this crisis deal? Uh, grapes doing good over on your end? Yep, grapes are doing good. And uh, we just recently donated the last bit of our walnut harvest to the Redwood Empire Food Bank, which is a good cause if you have the chance and means. If you have any, say, nuts or any produce that you can deliver, it would be greatly appreciated if you could donate to your local food bank. That is great information to pass out. The uh, some of some services you know you may not be able to do, but uh, I know that here we've had a couple of uh, drive-through donations for the canned food for the at least that same food bank, the Redwood Empire Food Bank. So uh, if your local food bank you know has drive-throughs and whatnot. You know, go ahead and do it. I, it's the same thing during this crisis as you know as it was before. You can still donate food, you know, non-perishable items, and uh, they'll still accept it. So they found a way to use it and a way to do a way to do that to give it to those people that need that you know need food. So any little bit helps. It's greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Hey, Burns, you hear that? Hear what? Well, it sounds like something's coming from the donkey pen. The donkey pen? What's that? Oh, you don't know about the donkey pen? No, not really. But it sounds like a pen where the donkey's in. Well, the donkey pen is where you hear jokes straight from the donkey's mouth. Donkey pen. All right, what? let's go to the donkey pen. So straight from the donkey's mouth, from what I just heard, is there's two hunters that are walking, and one of them says, whoa, 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 watch out for that big hole. So the other guy says, I wonder how deep it is. And he picks up a rough anvil laying on the ground and throws it down this hole. It whistles going down, and they don't even hear it. Three seconds later, they see a goat running really, really fast towards them and falls straight down this hole. So, okay. So then they hear a farmer calling out, Becky, Becky. And he walks up to the hunters and asks, did you see a goat around here? And one of the hunters says, yeah, just a few seconds ago, it was running like 80 miles per hour and fell down that hole. And the farmer says, that's impossible. I had it tied to an anvil. <laughs> I don't know. That's straight from the donkey's mouth from the donkey pen, Matt. Wow. That's that's really out there, I'll tell you that that one is. I never heard of anything like that. Oh yeah. You didn't see that one coming, did you? No, it hit me off the blind side of the barn. Uh-huh. My biggest question is <laughs> why was there an anvil next to this said hole? What's that? Why was there an anvil laying out there by a hole? I don't know, to mark it. <laughs> but it had a goat tied to it, Matt. That is the biggest question. Maybe so. I don't know. I'd get on a really serious topic on that. I'd go, well, maybe they tied a goat to that anvil so that the goat could only eat around that certain area so that he could find the hole. I don't know. That's my thought on it. A serious <laughs> thought, not a joke thought. 
It's a serious shot from around the world. It is. Well, is there anything else you'd like to talk about on this great pilot of the Barnside Jacks? Uh, yeah, I, I think we forgot to mention of what we actually do, like ourselves and not just our history or family history. Um, if you'd like to start that out, Bob, that'd be great. Sure. Well, as we talked about, fifth generation farmer on our family farm, and as well a full-time student at Sonoma State, just transferred in from the Santa Rosa Junior College and looking to work for California Fishing Game. After getting a degree in conservation from the environmental science program at Sonoma State, and is it, it fishing game or is it fish and wildlife? It's fish and wildlife now. It used to be fishing game, but now they changed uh-huh. it to wildlife. And I'm currently a volunteer with Sonoma State Fire Department, which was previously, or which I was with Rincon Valley Fire Department. We currently merged together with a bunch of other departments in the local area. All right. I'm Burns, and I, uh, I, you know, had a couple different jobs and in my past, and I still help my dad out with the sheep shearing deal. I've helped him out since I was just a little kid. You know, more so as you get older, you're able to move your, you know, be able to maneuver the animals a lot better. And shearing is, you know, I've been told it's an art. I've been told it's a lost art. I've also been told that it's a special technique. Well, it and all those things are true. But, you know, I had a, you know, I was just trying to find myself. And Sharon kind of just went, you know, here and there. And that's why I'm going to the schools to get, you know, to learn that profession a little bit better. To see what I can learn from there and combine it with what I've learned from my father. And uh, we'll just... I'm just going to go from there on that route, um, and we'll talk next week on my experience, I suppose, and we'll go from there. But, anyways, I, uh, you know, I've been I worked on a sheep slash cattle uh, operation, a small one in the city of Santa Rosa, I uh, and Sebastopol, I suppose. Um, just a lot of farmhand, ranch hand kind of work. Uh, mowing, fixing sprinklers, uh, you know, gathering the animals, you know, plowing fields, discing fields, uh, a lot of tractor work, and that's kind of where I'm at too. And we'll talk another time on our hobbies and whatnot and, you know, the stuff that we're involved in. And uh, because Robbie and I, or Bob and I are in a lot of, uh, a lot of the same stuff here, and this is kind of why we started this podcast. Um, anyways, I actually uh, also worked for a machinery company for about a little over a year, and then I had the opportunity to move to the wine- to a winery, and in which I am the vineyard mechanic. So I run, you know, I run around transporting all the uh, ag equipment, tractors and discs and rollers and mowers and all that kind of stuff and as well as you know repair it if I can and uh you know if I got the time to do it because most of the time everything is pretty rushed uh not pretty rushed but you know we try to do everything as safe as possible so if I can't do it all in one day you know I'd have to go back the next day and do it 
But if we have so much things, you know, piled up, we, uh, you know, we, we ask for some reinforcement help and when we get the job done. So, and, uh, you know, everybody seems to be, you know, pretty nice there and not like the other place wasn't, but, you know, I, I like it because I'm outside a lot and, and uh, haven't had my allergies so far, knock on wood. So anyways, that's where I'm at. And I've been at the winery for a little over a year now too. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much me. Well, thank you for sharing that, Burns. And then basically also another topic which we should dive into is the mysterious creature that is John. Little sideburns? Little sideburns. We'll have to dive into that topic later on, too. <laughs> We're going to have a couple of guests on here later on down the road. More than just a couple. We'll have a wide range of guests. Maybe we'll try and pull in some of our members of our local YFNR from Sonoma Marin. See, that's where I was headed towards on saying that we had uh, we're part of organizations and so we're part of our uh, Sonoma Marin YFNR which is from the state of California which is also the number one YFNR currently due to our drastic helpful nature of young farmers and ranchers so we look forward to talking later on that topic on possibly the next episode of the Barnside Chats. That's correct. Now remember where you heard it. You heard it from this side of the barns. Adios, everybody, and thanks for joining. Thank you all. <laughs>